This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets Podcast. I'm going to love the Jets, so when I, when I have the opportunity, I'm hitting free agency, and then I just feel like the stars kind of aligned. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Today, we're going to do a mailbag podcast. It's going to go about a half hour, uh, answering all your Twitter questions about the NFL draft, new uniforms, uh, free agency, and all that other good stuff that you guys have sent along. Appreciate all the questions continuing to come in. Going to try to do two podcasts per week, at least up through the NFL draft in the week or two after it with our normal Thursday one with a guest and then this mailbag edition on Saturday. Um, quick reminder before we dive into the questions. Subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. The rating is the easiest thing you do. You drop in four stars, drop in five stars. Uh, we're about 50 away, 45 away from 400. So the more ratings, the more searchability uh, helps. Show has been, it's really been encouraging to see both this and the Play Like a Jet feed, which has a new show every three hours, it seems like, from Scott, uh, grow as much as it has in the past few months. So we're always going to have a baseline of writing on the site. Uh, just had a new 12 pack out yesterday, but. It's been good to see the podcast continue to grow and uh, always looking for suggestions on people you want to hear from in terms of guests. We obviously try to rotate through a pretty wide range of people, but open for suggestions always on people that you all want to hear from. Right now, TOJ Jr. taking a nap. I've been uh, watching him solo all weekend, so if you hear some crying in the background, it's because I talked too loud and woke him up, so bear with me here. All right, let's jump into the first question from Mark Rawdon. Can you devote the whole mailbag pod to hilarious uniform takes from Jets Twitter? A fair question and a fair idea. I think it was very funny watching this whole process. Now, maybe it's because of my age and maybe it's because of my growing frustration with the team being bad the past eight years, but I just felt like I didn't care quite as much about this uniform reveal as most fans did. It was it was amazing to me how excited everybody was about this. They were excited, curious, and had such strong opinions on it. I thought the reveal party was interesting. Um, there was some some well done parts, some confusing parts. Uh, I don't know who that guy Max was. Uh, you know, JB Smooth was out there doing doing some stuff. It, it was interesting. I, overall, I think the uniforms are fine. Like I, I don't think it. It was a problem that the Jets overdid or redid their uniforms. I think a lot of teams have refreshed them. I think it's, you know, it, it's cool. I don't think it's like the greatest thing I ever saw in my life. I don't think it's an abomination like some people have made it out to be. Most people seem to not like the new logo, uh, but really like the the color combinations. I think the black jerseys are cool to see once or twice a year. Uh, I like the whites a lot. Uh, the greens are fine. I mean, I don't think they're better than the previous greens. I think it's a, an, an incremental improvement over what they had done. And, you know, I, I get as a business the Jets taking advantage of this marketing opportunity because they're going to sell a ton of new gear and they have a bunch of new players to sell it around. So uh, I think it's fine. You know, it's been funny watching some people get so angry about them or so happy about them or, and, and watching a bunch of people who follow football try to analyze fashion. Uh, it's a unique thing that hopefully we won't see for another 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years, but I think jerseys are pretty cool. Uh, I Personally, I'm not a huge jersey guy myself. I wear more t-shirts, like the t-shirts that we sell for DOJ selfishly, or just you know t-shirts in general. I do still have a couple of jerseys floating around. I may have to go out and buy myself um, 
a Le'Veon Bell at some point once we find out what number he's going to be. Heard some rumors. Uh, he's going to be number 21. No idea whether that's true or not. Definitely not reporting it, but just heard some rumblings. Uh, they'll probably announce that in the next few weeks. So stay tuned for news on that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next question from Don Chipotle at Juan Epstein 2. Who would have a more positive impact on Leo Williams' productivity next year, Alan Bosa or Williams? Also, what tweak would you make to the uniforms, which I think are generally good? Uniform question off the top. Uh, I think the logo is a little, eh, not crazy about it. I know that's a pretty common opinion. I just, it's a, it's very similar to the old logo in my mind. So if you're going to make the change, you know, tweak it a little, little heavier. I think in terms of Leo Williams, I think, you know, this thought, this guy's played four NFL seasons. Uh, this thought that any other player next to him is going to unlock him as a 10 to 15 sack per year guy. I don't really buy into it. He's played with Sheldon Richardson when he's been very good. He's played with Muhammad Wilkerson when he's been very good. Uh, and it hasn't had that big of an impact. Um, I understand the last couple of years he hasn't necessarily been loaded with top-tier talent. But then again, you look at last year, Henry Anderson was double-teamed more than Leo Williams. That's a true fact. Look it up. And Anderson managed seven sacks. And the Jets are paying Henry Anderson like a top-10, 3-4 defensive end right now. Uh, so theoretically, that should be enough to take pressure off a guy who was the sixth overall pick in the draft to produce. In terms of the vacuum of your question, I, I think... I would lean towards one of the edges. I know everybody, you know, is excited about the thought of pairing Quinton Williams with, with Leo Williams and having Anderson in there. I just wonder how all those three guys are used at once, and we've just seen this not work before. I do think an edge like Allen or Bosa, in particular, Bosa, I think is a better prospect than Allen. Uh, should help, would help Leonard Williams maybe become more of a six to eight sack per year guy. I still think it's very borderline whether he gets a second contract from this team, depending on what he's looking for. Next question from Vin Monty, a non-draft pick who currently isn't on the roster but could be a week one starter for the Jets. I think you have to look at the center position. Uh, there's a couple veterans still floating out there. Uh, I believe Sullivan and Wazinski are still out there, and those are guys who could probably walk in and start over Harrison. Uh, I'm not buying into him as a week one starter. So I think a veteran, either one of those guys or someone else who gets released in training camp has an opportunity to walk in here and start at center week one. Also a corner. Uh, again, I think counting on Daryl Roberts to start 16 games seems a little bit naive. Uh, maybe a certain corner shakes free and the Jets make a move or you know go get somebody who is still out there after the draft and have them push Roberts. Those are the two low-hanging fruits where I think you could find a veteran who could come in and really start right away. Question from Richie D 72 
what team is the most logical trade partner for the third pick if the Redskins trade for Rosen? First off, I think the Redskins would be very wise to trade for Rosen. I would say the same thing for the Patriots or the Giants. I still think that guy is going to be a good NFL quarterback if you get him in a better situation and you could get him at low value right now, probably a second round pick. Somebody I think will pull the trigger. Washington does seem to be the sort of consensus favorite now. If they do, you know, I think it would be logical for the Giants to trade up with the Jets. I don't think it will happen. Denver's another team to potentially keep an eye on, but honestly, I just don't know if it's going to click and work out for the Jets this year. They very well may have to stay put at three. I think they're going to be trying to trade back, but if I did guess today, I would say it's like 65 70%. They end up staying at three and making that pick. Not ideal because I think you want them to have more swings. They may end up trading back with one of their other picks just to get more swings or trade a guy like Darren Lee uh, to get a day three pick because... You want to have more opportunities to fill the voids that you have right now at edge, corner, um, and offensive line, not just center. From Jim D., who had a better five-year plan for the Jets, Mac or Nike? Funny question. Uh, you know, Mac's 24 and 40 through four years, uh, so he's got a lot of work to do. I think Nike, very happy. They're going to make a ton of money, just like the Jets are going to make a ton of money from this jersey uniform reveal. So uh, from a business and a marketing standpoint, I think the Jets are very content about the excitement around it. They rolled out three different colors. They got Jamal Adams bought in. Uh, I think despite some mildly negative sentiment, I think most fans like the uniform, so I think Nike is probably very happy. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. From John Pillarella, do you think it's a bit naive to head into this year hoping Leo will turn all the pressures and QB hits into sacks this year considering he's had so many years without good sack numbers? I do. I think I understand Leo's young, but he's played four full seasons. I kind of think he is who he is at this point. And I just like with that guy, like he's been on the team for four years. What, what is his most memorable play? What is his most memorable game? What is his most memorable moment? When has he made a game changing uh, play? can't remember a single one off the top of my head. Uh, nothing really sticks out. He's a guy, even when you look at his stats, the sacks that he does have, he's compiled some of them in deep garbage time. Uh, I understand he does have a high pressure rate, but you need to convert. Uh, I, I get the high pressure rate, but he just disappears far too much. I've watched every snap of his career. I've watched every Jet game in the past few years two and three times. He just does not pop off the screen that much uh, for someone who is supposed to be as good as he is. From Chris, what jersey did you buy? I have not bought a jersey yet. I don't know if I'll buy a jersey. I'm more likely to buy my toddler son, not toddler, six-month son a jersey. Uh, I have not really worn jerseys much the past few years. Um, I don't find them particularly comfortable or like the way I look in them. Uh, I like wearing t-shirt, sweatshirt. Uh, candidly, I've not been to a ton of games the past couple years. Last year, it was more because the, the kid was being born uh, and the year before, obviously, it was not, was not a fun year at 5-11. and 11. Um, I do plan on getting out to hopefully three or four games this year, and what I wear to those games will most likely be a T-shirt or a sweatshirt. I could see myself maybe maybe buying a Le'Veon Bell jersey because I'm so excited about that acquisition. Uh, but beyond that, I'm not planning on, on buying one anytime soon. I have a couple old ones floating around that are still near and dear to my heart, like Curtis Martin. Uh, Coles and Cotri, which I, you know, I'll wear around the house if I'm watching games, uh, waiting for the team to get better before I go deeper uh, into investing in any more. For Michael Christopher, why do you think the Jets eventually decided to be more of a 3-4 team than 4-3? It seemed like their first round pick would have fit better in the 4-3, but with the way they went in free agency, they targeted more 3-4 players. Was it because free agency was weak with 4-3 players? 
This is a really good question. I mean, I think they hired Greg Williams. Everyone rushed to the assumption that, of course, they're going to be a 4-3. Greg Williams has been a coach in the NFL forever. He's always ran a 4-3. And then I think you take a step back, and I'm sure Gase and McCagnan did this and said, well, there's been limited successful additions on the defense over the past few years. Right now, some of McCagnan's best, best additions and draft picks, Avery Williamson, Jordan Jenkins, uh, Henry Anderson, those three guys are guys who fit much better in a 3-4 than a 4-3. So if you were going to make a transition to a 4-3, you would have had to turn over that many more spots, which would have made their job that much harder uh, on defense. So I think, look, the Jets are going to be multiple. They're probably going to play a mix of 3-4 and 4-3, a lot of nickel packages and mix and match a lot, which is fine. I do think asking a guy who coached a 4-3 his whole life to coach a 3-4 could lead to some problems. I do understand that, hey, we didn't want to have to find a way to probably move on or minimize guys like Williamson and Jenkins and Anderson. We want to build around guys who are already here, and we think we could have Williams coach a 3-4. That's what I think the thinking is behind it. I think a guy like Josh Allen, who I would say is the most likely pick at three right now, could work in a 4-3 or a 3-4. I think he's versatile enough and has the athleticism to do that. Again, I do think the Jets are going to be very, very multiple on defense. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Question from CP7NY. What can the Jets get for Lee in a trade, fourth or fifth rounder? And what about a Claiborne reunion since we're so thin at corner? My guess is it's a day three pick for Darren Lee, probably like a fifth round pick. I think that's sort of like your baseline expectation. The thought on bringing Claiborne back, I guess, isn't crazy. Uh, I thought the Jets would have been more aggressive. I think they're going to, in free agency at corner, I think they're going to wait to see how the draft shakes out. Uh, but I would feel better having him and Roberts competing for reps rather than just Roberts. I think Roberts is really good as your fourth or fifth corner, as your starting corner on the outside, opposite a guy who's looked shaky last year in Tremaine Johnson. I just think the Jets are going to have some real problems when they're going against uh, the Odell Beckhams, Antonio Browns, and some of the other guys that they're going to have to face next year. Uh, from limb by limb, D. Lee gone. Yes, I think Darren Lee is gone. I think look like I don't like want to make too many like rash judgments off a uniform reveal party, but considering how involved Lee was with that whole thing, the fact that he wasn't there, hasn't been talking about it at all, it's like the writing's in the wall. You got to like read the tea leaves and look at what the Jets paid Williamson last year, what they paid Mosley this year. They're going to find a way to get rid of him before week one. I think it's just a matter of whether it happens draft weekend or over the summer, but. Uh, he's going to be a goner, and you know it's going to be real tough when then you take a step back and look at those 2015 and 2016 draft classes. With 2015, only one player still on the roster, Leonard Williams. With 2016, your first two picks were Darren Lee and Christian Hackenberg. Uh, you know, fortunately, they've gotten some production from Jordan Jenkins as a third-round pick, uh, and they've gotten some from, jo- from Brandon Shell as well. But that, that's a tough start with those first two years. Uh, next question from Jordan Daniels is Brian Winters good uh the short answer I would say is no I think he's a slightly below average starter I don't anticipate him being here in 2020 I just think there's only so many roles you could turn over on your roster uh in one year so I think you hope that with Osemele at the other guard and maybe you find a better answer at center he could be a little better than he was but very generally I think he's a slightly below average starter Question from Michael Shepley. So do you think drafting or acquiring a decent tight end two makes up for the deficiencies of not having a legitimate number one receiver? 
Uh, a good question. I, I think like the thought of having a legitimate number one receiver is a little overrated. Only a handful of teams in the NFL really have that. I think at receiver, you want to have a deep bench of guys with versatile skill sets so you're hard to match up with. I think as long as you have that, you're, you're doing your job at receiver. But I think generally not having quite as much talent or depth as you want at receiver can help be rectified by adding a guy uh, to back up and work with Herndon. you got to keep in mind that tight ends are, are regularly used as receivers in a lot of teams' offenses, and Herndon's going to be split out. And if you take advantage of this rich tight end draft class, there's no reason that you can't find another guy who could split out, and it gives you more offensive versatility. So I wouldn't put receiver and tight end in a box when you have guys like Herndon who could play tight end and receiver, and guys like Quincy Inouye who could play tight end and receiver. Uh, I think you just add weapons for Sam Darnold in the passing game. And right now, this is a much better tight end class than wide receiver class. Next question from Midwest Jets. Jets still have a lot of holes to fill, and one is starting outside CB. What's your confidence level on that in the team's current options, and what later round CB prospects do you like? Uh, yeah, I think corner is one of their biggest needs right alongside with edge and center. And I think the problem is that um, you know, Tremaine Johnson corners don't age well, uh, and he's only a year older than he was last year when he struggled a lot and was injured. I don't think Daryl Roberts is a full-time starter. I also think Brian Poole is roughly a lateral move from Buster Screen. They're pretty similar players. And then there's not a lot of depth there. Uh, right now, your four, five, six corners are Perry Nickerson, who looked very overmatched last year, which is why the Jets signed Poole. Uh, Derek Jones is pretty good in preseason at times, but has never really played any meaningful snaps. And Rashard Robinson, who is terrible and has been terrible every time he played and I still have no idea why the Jets traded a draft pick for him so uh, my hope is that this is a position that if they trade back in in the first round is one they consider Uh, whether with that lower first round pick or with the second round pick I think in the late rounds um, it's not a particularly deep class we talked about this with Connor on the podcast earlier this week this isn't a great year uh, to be drafting cornerbacks Um, late round it's tough because we've seen them do these different dart throws uh, and it just hasn't stuck. It hasn't worked with Jeremy Clark. It hasn't worked with Burris. It hasn't worked with Nickerson. I did mock them uh, taking Jamal Peters from Mississippi State in the sixth round in my seventh round mock. Go check it out on Turn on the Jets. Uh, he's a guy at 6'2", 218 pounds. Just has some intriguing size and athleticism on the outside. But again, sixth round pick, it's a bit of a dart throw. So uh, hard to believe that you're going to have... Uh, the problem solved by a rookie, particularly a rookie taken on day two or day three of the NFL draft. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. A lot of negative comments about the, well, not really. I was going to say a handful of negative comments about the jerseys, but I think overall sentiment's been pretty well. Question from Rich Ryan. Thoughts on internal pressure versus Ed Pretcher? I've come to favor the former, believing it's more disruptive to an offense, which makes me favor Williams over Allen at three. Look, I think... You can make a more than fair case that Quentin Williams is a better draft prospect overall than Josh Allen at three. Personally, I prefer Allen to Williams, and I think pressure is pressure to an extent. Uh, I do think that the Jets have a decent amount of talent right now uh, up front in their 3-4. Okay, like an okay level between McClendon, Anderson, and uh, Williams. They have nothing at edge, and I think edge is just too important of a position to completely ignore and trot out Jordan Jenkins and Brandon Copeland, and I worry about the Jets' speed at the second level. 
because uh, while C.J. Mosley and Avery Williamson are good players, I think smart offensive coordinators are going to spread the Jets out and try to get those guys in space and see if they could cover running backs and cover tight ends. And I just worry about the team's overall lack of speed, and I worry about how the reps are divided up or how guys like Williams and Williams and Anderson are utilized together. Are we going to have another situation where Leonard Williams uh, is dropping back and playing inside linebacker like the Jets used to do with Sheldon Richardson? Uh, when you have that many defensive linemen on the field, did offenses keep taking advantage of you being slower? Uh, I think it's a – look, I, I get some people think Quinn Williams is uh, an Aaron Donald-type prospect. He may be. I'm not all the way there yet. Uh, I still do think actually the Jets will take Allen, though. I just think internally – uh, with how they avoided the edge market or ended up missing out on it by not getting Anthony Barr. Uh, it feels like Allen would end up being a more logical pick for them, both in terms of what they'll actually do and, and what I think that a decent amount of people have the preference for them to do. But we'll see how it plays out. I don't think it's a crazy argument uh, in any way at all to be arguing for, for Quinnen at three. Um, a lot more questions about uh, trading back, and I just don't think that... Uh, you know, there's a long list of teams. I think Jacksonville addressed the quarterback position in their mind by getting Nick Foles. I think Washington is considered a favorite to go get Rosen. If they don't, they're a logical team. The Giants and Jets aren't going to do business, as stupid as that is. With Denver, they may feel comfortable enough with where they're positioned where they don't need to trade up uh, to get a quarterback to get the guy that they want. Uh, and with Oakland, um, doesn't seem like something that, that's going to happen. So... Uh, it's tough to say, and they very well may just get locked into the third overall pick. I mean, the Jets have not traded back in the first rounds this century. Uh, that It just hasn't happened like in the past like 20-ish years. It's not an easy thing to do. Uh, hopefully, they're able to put something together. But assuming that that's definitely going to happen uh, probably isn't wise. Uh, I would start wrapping my head around them having to pick uh, third overall and you know making a decision and then maybe looking to trade back some of their other picks. Before I wrap, I want to quickly run through uh, some of the questions that I got about yesterday's article, which basically je- uh, grades every Jets draft pick from the past four years on a pass or fail scale. A challenging scale to grade on, no doubt. There doesn't leave much shades of gray. Uh, obviously, each entry has an explanation as to why. Now, when I went through it, it came out as being 20 fails uh eight passes four of the ones i found particularly difficult to do they were leonard williams marcus may jordan leggett and elijah mcguire i think with williams the reason that and i think you could go either way with this the reason that i put a fail instead of a pass is that he's the sixth overall pick in the draft he's heading into his fifth year and it's still an open question as to whether or not he is going to get a second contract from this team and most, if not all, fans believe that they still need Quinn and Williams to be added if they want to get any type of interior pressure, a.k.a. Williams isn't capable of generating it on his own. I think that's a letdown for where he was taken uh, and disappointing overall. Now, I understand this class was not loaded at the top, but that's not what I'm evaluating this on. I'm evaluating it on Williams, the prospect, the guy that they took. They didn't trade down. They didn't trade up. They stayed put and took him. Uh, and I'm just evaluating what we've seen through him through four years. I think with May... When he's been out there, uh, he's been a really good running mate for Jamal Adams. 
I think this is really a pivotal year for him in year three. Can he stay healthy enough to be the guy next to him? And if he is injured and banged up all this year again, I think the Jets would probably look for a different starter to pair with Adams. As May was already drafted as an older rookie and basically missed his entire sophomore year. Uh, With McGuire and Leggett, I looked at it as that the Jets still need a backup running back and they still need a backup tight end, if we're being realistic here based on what we saw the past two years. So those guys played a decent amount last year on a really bad offense and a really bad team and had a couple okay moments. But really, there should not be a Jet fan out there who is not hesitant about improving the backup behind Le'Veon Bell or improving the backup behind Chris Herndon. So if those moves are made in the draft or via free agency or via trade, probably going to knock those guys that much further down the depth chart so i think when you look at why the jets had such an ambitious free agency period and still have so many holes it's because of the inability to fill out the roster with middle round picks and really where it hurts is when you have guys third and fourth round picks like chad hansen Ardarius stewart and justin burris who are off the roster already fifth round pick like dylan donahue off the roster already Of course, it's too early to bury anybody's careers after one year, but does anybody really think Nathan Shepard or Foley Fatsukatsi are going to have big years in year two? There's a reason that the Jets brought Anderson back and kept Williams. Shepard is a rotational player at this point at best, Uh, so it's hard to bank on anything from him going forward next year. Same with Nickerson. If the Jets felt like he was ready to take over for Buster Screen, they wouldn't have went out and signed Poole to be their starting slot corner. So I think... That is where you run into some problems and why the Jets still have some work to do in free agency. They need to go fill out the bottom third of their roster. I think it's important uh, to continue to add out more depth overall. So, look, they have six picks right now. You'd love to see them have eight or nine swings instead of six swings. I think that's pretty doable. Uh, you trade a pick for Darren. You trade Darren Lee for a pick that gets you to seven. You find a way to trade back for three. You could get yourself two or three picks. If that doesn't happen at three, maybe you trade back with your fourth round pick and get some more day three swings. I think we'll see how it shakes out. But I'd be really surprised if the Jets ultimately ended up only taking six players. I believe they only took six players last year. So to do that two years in a row is not ideal. Now, of course, last year, you know, the number was a little lower uh, because of the Darnold trade that is still having an effect this year, and that's fine. But I do think this is a year that hopefully they can get back up taking eight to ten overall swings rather than just six. Because, look, the draft, particularly once you get past day one, is a lot of dart throws, and you want to increase your odds by having more dart throws, uh, particularly when you struggled in the middle rounds like the Jets have overall. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday with a new episode. Uh, it'll be more of our traditional format with an interview. Uh, make sure to check out yesterday's 12-pack on TurnOnTheJets.com. Also have my first mock draft out. Goes through all six Jets picks. We'll have another one or two live before the draft goes. Uh, draft happens from yours truly. Uh, plenty of other people are cranking out mocks on the site. For me personally, I usually do two or three per year. Uh, in terms of my preference and then in terms of predictions of what I think the Jets are going to do. But the draft is less than three weeks away. Uh, It's coming up fast on us. So uh, as crazy as free agency was, there's no reason I think the draft won't be just as crazy uh, as I'm sure there'll be speculation about the Jets trading back right up until they make the actual pick. Thank you again, everybody, for listening.